Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania is Micah Storms. Micah, how are we doing? Always doing better after a Sox win. Unfortunately, it doesn't feel as good because they still lost the series, and it really felt like that was a series where it felt like they could have swept the series because they were right in in those games and two um, extra inning losses. So it, it felt like the opportunity was there, but the mistakes they just make too many of them that prevents them from winning ball games. So happy about the win today, but felt like it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, and almost a game they didn't get in uh, because of the weather, but luckily they did. They come away with the win, but like you said, still a series loss, unfortunately. Joining us also tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? The Great Depression of Red Sox baseball continues. <laughs> we lost to the Rockies. I picked a sweep, and every time I've picked a sweep in the last night, this is probably the third or fourth time we've lost the series. I did it with the Cardinals. Uh, I feel like we've been swept at least once since then. It's just, it's been brutal, but Red Sox, uh, one game under 500, 13 and a half games back, five games out of a wild card. That is, is starting to get substantial, especially if it becomes seven or eight games and then it's July that now you're like, you're really, you really got a long shot to get in. And if you remember, we were exactly 500, and I think we were, what, two or three games out of the wild card last year at the trade deadline. So that was the end of July. And uh, it's just brutal. And you look at this series loss, and we're going to get into it, but every every aspect of this team hurt you bad at, at some point. It was the offense for a couple of games. The bullpen hurt us. Uh, you know, there was some one starting pitching performance that didn't go uh, the way many of us thought it might. So it, it's just, it's a mess right now. This team is a mess. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Don't don't let the win from, uh, you know, from Wednesday night fool you because they shouldn't have lost two out of three to this team. The Rockies are a bad baseball team. They are a really bad baseball team. And you got them without C.J. Crone, without Chris Bryant. I mean, they were missing two of their better hitters, at least when those guys are performing at the you know top of their capabilities. They have a horrible rotation, and you still lost two out of three. And let's face it, the Wednesday night game, if it's not for Nolan Jones, you might have lost that one too. He kind of gave you that game with, uh, with that bad play in right field. So... Um, Definitely not an uplifting series by any means. Um, this team still continues to just, you know, one step forward, three steps back, it feels like. And that wild card standings, like you talked about, um, 
that that number is going to be very important because like you said, if it gets to six, seven, eight out of the wild card and you're heading towards that trade deadline, look out below. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, so as usual, I feel like this is becoming a pattern for the midweek. We're going to do our bottom five uh, Red Sox, of course, losing this series. So uh, we got to do it, unfortunately. So we're going to dive right in and leading us off in the number five spot. Terry, who do we got? We have Adam Duvall in the number five spot. He was, let's see, one for 12 in the series. And basically his return hasn't lived up to the hype. He just exploded out of the gates in April, and he only played nine games before the wrist injury, uh, making a defensive play in center field. And just no, no momentum right now. He had a pretty long rehab assignment. I want to say it was close to two weeks. That's longer than most players get, but because he was on the 60-day, I think you have what you, for 15 games. I think you can have something like that. Um, you know, Bryce Harper came back with no rehab at all. And it remains to be seen what they're going to do with Trevor story. <laughs> if he comes back, we're going to have four DHs on the team or something like that. You know, if you count Casas, but, um, but yeah, it just hasn't lived up to the hype and having seen him, there, there's no question he'll turn it around. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll throw that out there right away. I mean, he's gonna hit some moonshots and they're mesmerizing. And if I mean, you see it with Casas. If if he hits a home run every third week, everybody's mesmerized by it. So people people do fall in love with the long ball, and um, he's the best right-handed bat in the lineup, really. Uh, well, Turner as well, I guess, but. Um, but from a power standpoint, he's, he, he's definitely up there. And what I, what I'm really starting to wonder with him is, is he really a net positive over Jaron Duran? Because Duran, he's gotten to be a pretty good defender. He's not going to gun people down at home plate from center field. Like some of our outfielders, uh, in years past, you know, Mookie had a cannon. So did Shane Victorino, Jackie Bradley, Hunter Renfro. Duran's never going to be that type of, a, you know, defensive outfielder, but he's tracking the balls. He's 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 getting to them. His jumps are way better. And I think it was game. Let's see. Game two. They brought him in or maybe it was game one. I, I get him mixed up, but. He was brought in to pinch run. He steals second. Then he steals third base. The anxiety level of the pitcher on the mound just goes through the roof when he is on on base. And I just think he's more dynamic than than Adam Duvall. I, I really believe that. And it sucked that Duvall went down because that's when that's how Duran got his opportunity. But I just, the more I see out of Duran, the more I want him in the lineup every day. I think we're a better team with, with Jaron Duran in the lineup. And maybe you can get creative. I mean, 
you you can definitely get Duvall in there and Duran, but I just feel like we're we're hurting ourselves, uh, and that's where I'm at right now with Duvall. Like a, I expected a slow start from Duvall. Um, you know, five Ks. You know, this is a guy who easily can strike out 30% or higher um, of his at-bats. And last year he hit two, 213, so I did not expect to see the the 450 batting average, whatever he had before he went down with the injury. I didn't quite expect that um, when he came back. Obviously he doesn't have his timing down. He's, he's really out in front and reaching for pitches. So, I mean, I think Duvall, what he offers this team is the right-handed um, – power because they just they have very few right-handed bats um so when they face a lefty duvall better be in that lineup and i think you sit either duran or casas or you get verdugo a day off um when you face a righty i I don't think duvall has to be an everyday starter i think he can start four or five times a week provide that power and i think that's that's a good enough um, you'll, you'll get enough out of him for that. Um, but Duran, he's been, every time he comes in, he, he makes something happen, as you said, Terry. And I just, I, I hate to see him sit on the bench and not get at bats. I, I just, I, I want him in the lineup. Um, he, he, when you're not going as an, as an offense, like the Red Sox have over the last three weeks, you kind of have to have somebody that, you know, could, could drop down a bunt or, beat out an infield hit and, and steal bases. You have to kind of manufacture runs. Um, and I don't think Boston is quite doing that. I think they're trying to do that, but then they get a runner on third and they can't get the, the situational hitting. Um, but I think if you have a guy like Duran in there more often, I think it would um, give them more opportunities for that. But I think Duvall, he'll be fine. I think he could easily have a, a series this weekend against New York where it's one or two home runs. Um We'll see, but I'm not too worried. It's it's still very early from him coming back from the injury. Yeah, I, I think in general it is still very early. So, you know, we'll certainly uh, keep an eye on him, give him some more time to kind of settle back into facing major league pitching again. Um, I just worry that Duvall, you know, overall, like in general, is a just low batting average, high strikeout power hitter. And I'm not sure if that's what he is, because let's face it, he's not going to be what he was in April, where he's sitting over 500 and he's, you know, uh, player of the week every week or anything like that. Adam Duvall is a 240 hitter with, you know, good pop in his bat, but he's going to strike out a ton. And he's not really known for being like, like you said, a, a situational hitter. You know, he's he's looking to go up there and drive the ball out of the park every single time. He's not the guy that's going to, you know, move the runner over or anything like that. He doesn't have dynamic speed. He's a good defender in the outfield. He kind of misplayed a fly ball. I believe that was Monday's game where it went off his glove and, you know, it turned into a triple. Um, So, you know, I I think that his defense at times gets overrated by people. Uh, You know, Merloni pointed it out on the broadcast. He won a gold glove as a right fielder, not a center fielder. And those are very different positions. Um, So, We'll see, you know, if the if the defense in center field really uh, does get any better, or if he's, you know, really makes a difference there. I'm not sure, but yeah, if Adam Duvall regresses back to the mean of what he's been his whole career, I'm not sure that really helps your lineup. 
Whereas Jaron Duran, 26 years old, you know, he's part of this youth movement that the Red Sox front office and everyone else has been pushing. He always seems to make something happen when he's in the lineup, whether it's because of his speed or, you know, what have you. So I, I, I agree, Micah. I don't like the idea of Duran sitting on the bench and not getting every day at bats and not being able to progress at the major league level at this point, because, um, I don't think getting, you know, prolonged stays on the bench is, is going to help him. So I hope that Duvall turns it around and at least is a, a good serviceable middle of the order kind of power bat. But I have my doubts because again, it, the Adam, the real Adam Duvall is not the one you saw in April. It's kind of the one you've been seeing the last couple of days where he'll get a hit every now and then, but he's going to strike out a lot. And, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of headaches coming along with him. So, um, it is still early, you know, obviously, um, just coming back from the injury and a wrist injury is a tricky one too. I think some guys coming back from that, they don't fully trust themselves yet when, with their swing and everything. So hopefully he gets more comfortable and it happens soon because the offense needs a spark one way or another, uh, big time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, moving on to number four on the bottom five, Micah, who do we got? Number four, we have Nick Pavetta, and he was so close. He really was. He came in in the 10th inning on Monday's game. Um, so you obviously have the Manfred man or the zombie runner, whatever the whatever you want to call him, starting at second base. And he immediately got two outs. And it's like, okay, he's going to get out of this inning, and the Red Sox are going to you know bunt or just scratch one all, scratch one across the plate, and they'll win the game. And then they intentionally walked McMahon, which I thought was the right decision because he's their best hitter and he's a lefty. So why not first base open? Um, why not walk him? But then he, the next batter was Diaz, who's a good hitter, um, but he went 3-0 right away and he walked him. And then Grichik, um, he ended up walking him and he walked in a run. So, I mean, he really only had two walks because of the intentional walk, but we have stated multiple times that when you come in out of the bullpen, you have to throw strikes. And, you know, with, with Pavetta, the stuff, I mean, it, it's significantly better out of the bullpen versus him as a starter. He's touching 97. I don't know why he didn't trust his stuff there. I mean, you have to challenge Grichik um, with the bases loaded. You just cannot walk him. Now, he did get squeezed. There was a missed call in there. There was a 2-1 pitch. And to me, the, the entire ball was in the box. It was just a blown call. It really did change the at-bat. But again, you have to throw strikes. The, the walk to Diaz, to me, is where he he, he lost the inning. Um, 3-0 right away. You have, to, you have to throw strikes. You can't get to the bases loaded um, and, and give yourself that opportunity where now you have zero margin for error. Um, so again, Pavetta, close, um, but didn't get the job done and the Red Sox really needed um, to, to get the series off on the right foot with a, with a win and they didn't do it. And then it kind of, I felt like Monday really carried into Tuesday, um, which is a shame because this was a, an opportunity for, I think a sweep and, and that, that 10th inning on Monday, I felt like really set the tone. Terry. The only reason 
Pavetta is here is because our pitching staff doesn't really have viable depth. It's all trash depth, and and that goes for the bullpen as well. We have a bad bullpen. I mean, we were talking about it on the pre-show before we came in. You got two guys you trust, and it's it's Martin and Jansen. And I'm not going to lie, I, I don't I don't trust Jansen as much as a lot of people. He did look pretty good in his last outing. Um, and then that was actually game one of the series. Um, and then th- there was one outing in the, in the Yankee series where he was just getting hit with hard contact and he was lucky that the Volpe, uh, ball went just foul. Cause that would have been a walk off and we would have lost that series. But, uh, getting back to Pavetta, he would be DFA'd from most other teams because their depth is a little bit better and Nick Pavetta has been a, a mid to upper fives ERA guy his whole career, basically his whole career. He might have been in the fours last year, but he he's only going to hurt you in the long run. He's only going to hurt you. You go back to that Guardian series. He came in pretty late. Uh, I can't remember if that was the extra innings game or not. It might have been. And... He needed 31 pitches to get two outs and then came out of the game with the bases loaded. Just a bad situation. And then he pitched pretty well uh, a game in the in the Yankees series. And Corey used him in high leverage. It was kind of puzzling, but P- Pavetta pitches well against the Yankees in the last few years, dating back to September 2021. But uh, I just... It's more bad than good. It's more bad than good. And he's struggling now with just one inning. So the, the chances of of putting him in there for five or six innings and, and having it go well, I think we're past that. I think that ship has sailed. And the only reason to keep him is if you do go into the toilet and we're just out of it by the end of the month or by mid-July, you're going to need warm bodies to pitch innings and just get you through the rest of the year. That's literally the only value Nick Pavetta brings, in my opinion. And and that's sad. That's extremely sad. And I, I mentioned, I think, in the, in the last show, you know, the Bluminati loves to talk about how Bloom won the Brandon Workman trade. But, and he, he did, but it's just not aging well. You know, we're just not getting a lot. I think a smart GM might have moved Nick Pavetta for a piece or even a sneaky top 15 or 20 prospect that you like for some reason. I, I don't know, but I've uh, I've had enough of Nick Pavetta. I agree. And for a guy who was upset about losing his rotation job, going to the bullpen, he has done exactly nothing to prove that he deserves a rotation spot back. Um, you can't go to the bullpen and be worse and then just sort of expect to you know, get back in the rotation, whether it's because of somebody struggling or because of an injury. And the bar is pretty low out there in the bullpen in terms of being a guy that the Red Sox can trust. Just be better than Kluber. Just be better than Garza. Be better than 
Joe Jakes or whoever, whatever nameless bum they call up next time. Like, it's not difficult. There, there's room in that bullpen for Pavetta to really make himself an asset and, you know, be a multi-inning guy, kind of like a Winkowski when Winkowski was going good, you know, that kind of thing. He could really have become a weapon out of there. And he's gone backwards, which is unbelievable. Um, and like you said, Micah, you can't come out of the bullpen and not throw strikes. That's just, you know, rule 101 of being a relief pitcher. You've got to come in, you know, and Pavetta's got good stuff. He's got a lively fastball. He's got a good mix of pitches. He should be able to come in out of the pen and blow guys away. Or at the very least, just throw a lot of strikes and, you know, get some quick outs. And instead, he's, you know, trying to paint the zone, which he can't do because he doesn't have the command for it. He's dancing around hitters too much, gets himself into trouble, and then that's what happens. He, he has that inning where he just implodes. So the Nick Pavetta experience is starting to get really old. And I, I think the only reason that he's still here is, you, you know, you don't have anyone else. You don't have any other reinforcements coming. Brian Mata is hurt. Chris Sale is hurt. Um, you know, James Paxton might still get hurt at some point. Whitlock and Hauk, you know, who knows how, how they'll keep going. Um, the only reason he's here really is that he's an insurance policy. If somebody goes down and, you know, they're really, you know, lacking starters, they put Pavetta back in there. He makes a couple of starts. That's really it. Um, I, I don't see any other value he brings to your team at this point. So, uh, Michael, you have something you want to say? Yeah, I have a question for both of you. So Nick Pavetta is technically still, would be still under contract through next season. Is there any chance he is a part of the 2024 Boston Red Sox? <laughs> I I want to say no. I want to say hell no. Like, that, you know, they will absolutely find some way to move on from him. But honestly, you're going to have whatever's going on with Chris Sale, you're going to have that going on. You're going to have a lot of young pitchers. Who knows if someone else gets hurt? or needs Tommy John or something. I just feel like the Red Sox, I feel like Pavetta's the next guy that they just can't quit. And I feel like somehow they'll justify bringing him back next year. So I'm going to say, yes, he, he, he will be part of the 2024 Boston Red Sox somehow. I I'm on the other end of the spectrum with that. There's a couple of things to consider here. He could be DFA'd at some point. His saving grace right now is Corey Kluber, who's equally bad <laughs> and explosively bad in some cases. Um, so, but eventually they could cut the cord. Secondly, if we are sellers, and I think there's an 80% chance we're going to be sellers at the deadline. Somebody might want him. I mean, somebody's going to think, oh, our pitching program is so good. We'll fix him and this and that. And, you know, like I said, maybe you'll get a top 20 prospect, you know, that nobody's ever heard of, you know, in somebody's farm system. Um, so I just think there's a lot of things in play. And, you know, <laughs> hopefully I'm the fire bloom guy uh, on the crew and uh, – Hopefully the next guy will take one look at him and be like, nah. <laughs> so and let me just uh, just put a cap on my initial point. 
if Nick Pavetta did get DFA'd tomorrow, it's not going to happen, but hypothetically, let's just say he gets DFA'd tomorrow. Is there going to be a situation two weeks from now where you're like, man, Nick Pavetta would have been really good in that spot, or, or are we just not going to miss him? I, for me, it's the latter. Yeah, likely I, I wouldn't miss him. Even if like a starter was to go down, like if you know Whitlock were to get hurt again, I don't think I'd be sitting there going, ah, damn, you know, Nick Pavetta should be starting this game. And, you know, <laughs> it'd be in much better shape. Like, no, I think we all know how it would go. So, um, yeah, that, as you said, that ship has probably sailed. Um, so moving on from the pitching, we're going to go back to the infield. Number three on the bottom five. Micah, who do we have? Number three, Tristan Casas or Casas. I feel like I say the I I just go back and forth between his last name. It drives me nuts. I need to be consistent. I need to just pick one and go with it. I heard on the broadcast that they asked him, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't really care which one." And I was like, "That's the worst answer possible," because now I don't know what to do. But uh, that's beside the point. Um, it was a, a tough series for Casas. Um, he was two for nine in the series, um, but. A lot of his outs were just ground, weak grounders to the right side, right to the second baseman, not a lot of hard contact. I thought over the weekend in New York, he had a lot of good swings, a lot of hard contact. Um, I thought against this Colorado pitching, I really thought he and a bunch of the other bats were really going to uh, take advantage of these high ERAs, and the lineup didn't do it, and Casas didn't do it either. Um, I'm still waiting do you remember, I think it was off of Garrett Cole last year, he hit that opposite field home run over the, the monster. I am still waiting for that swing this year. I don't think we have seen one swing where Cole or where uh, Casas has gone to the opposite field with power. I don't know where that is. Um, I'm surprised that there hasn't been an adjustment um, because playing at Fenway Park, why are you not trying to use the green monster? Um, so maybe... Maybe contacting David Ortiz and having a hitting lesson with him or something. I don't know. But he needs to stop just trying to pull everything because you're not going to hit for a high average when you you try to pull everything. So offensively, it was not a very good series. But to me, the, the, the bigger concern was the defense. Um, he made that, that critical error in the, the 10th inning on Monday night. Um, a ball just kind of ate him up. Um, but at that moment, you have to make that play. It was he knocked it down, and it was almost like he panicked then, and then he he was unable to flip the ball to the pitcher. Um, a very costly error. And then tonight, um, in the sixth inning, I believe um, there was a single, a bloop single to center, and Kike throws the ball to where he probably should have. It was a little offline, but Casas was late getting over um, for the cut man, and that to me, that those types of things cannot happen. And if if the offense is kind of very inconsistent, you know, I've been willing to put up with it. But when the defense starts to to lapse and there there's mental lapses and he's not where he needs to be, that's the biggest concern to me. Because as he's starting to take his offense into the field with him, that can't happen. You cannot miss assignments like that because that runner went to second and then there was a double that – uh, Kike couldn't get in the outfield and if that guy was on first base does he score I mean maybe maybe not but it's little things like that you know it just cannot happen and when the defense is starting to to also um, show areas where he really needs to improve 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've been pro Casas and, and keeping him in the big leagues, but the more I see, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to really wonder would going down to AAA be, be the right move? Um, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I feel like I go back and forth each day. Um, but this series was definitely not, um, not one for the highlight reel. Terry. The Red Sox have done Tristan Casas no favors, really, as far as what his best interest is long-term, because it's not to play baseball with a club that's just struggling mightily to contend day in and day out, and then they have to contend with the defensive lapses that Micah was just pointing out and some sort of mental glitch at the plate. I don't know what it is. I mean... It's almost like he's Joey Gallo 2.0. You know, Gallo draws tons of walks, but barely hits 200, uh, you know, if ever. And that's exactly what Tristan Casas is. And how hard is it to acquire a first baseman somewhere? Go get your Mitch Moreland again or your Steve Pierce. Go just go get somebody that can at least platoon with somebody. I don't know who that is, but Tristan Casas needs to go down to to AAA to figure it out. And, you know, you'll have your Red Sox fans. They'll be like, no, if you, if you send him down, it'll ruin him and blah, blah, blah. Well, if that would ruin him, he, he's not tough enough to play in Boston if that's going to ruin him anyway. So, so just do it. And, I mean, he's not the first busted prospect we've ever had. I mean, it's a setback because there was a ton of hype that, that came with him. And I'm still, uh, I, I was, like, very optimistic that long-term he'd figure it out, even if it meant next year. Uh, now I'm, I'm more in the cautiously optimistic, uh, you know, range that he'll figure it out. You know, my confidence has dipped a little bit, but... Man, that's not – he's a net negative at the plate, and he's a net negative defensively. So I don't I don't really know what to do with him. He's starting to seem to me like a kid who has a lot of natural ability, which is why he was drafted so high, which is why he accelerated through the minors so quickly. I'm not sure he has a ton of baseball IQ, though. It just, especially in the field, it just feels like he's kind of out to lunch at times and he's, you know, either missing plays or, you know, there was that play earlier in the year where, um, you know, it was a grounder and he, he threw across a diamond over to third for a tag play and it didn't work out. And it, you know, really kind of screwed up that whole inning. And um, instead of just taking the shore out at first, um, you know, missing cutoff throws, not charging the ball when he should be. Um, and then, you know, at the plate, it's like, Great, he, he can draw walks. Okay, is that what we've been waiting for all these years? All the years of patchwork first baseman was so that we could wait for a kid who can draw walks and hit 200? That's that's not what we were promised. This kid's supposed to be better than that. So um, it's getting really frustrating with him, and I'm more frustrated with the fans and the way that the team is handling him because I think Casas is – trying I, I think that he you know is doing his best out there and I do still think he has a lot of ability but why the hell is it such a sin 
to suggest that he should go down to Worcester or to, to say that, Hey, you know what? We gave him, you know, basically three months. We haven't seen it yet. It's time. We need to make a move for a veteran first baseman, whoever's out there. You know, I mentioned Luke Voigt a couple of shows ago, like someone like that, just go get somebody who at least can competently play the position and give you good at bats or, you know, at least decent at bats because Right now, Casas isn't giving you either. He's not playing well in the field, and he's not hitting. And and don't give me the, well, he hit, you know, 250-something in May, and that really showed that he was getting better. Like, really? We're going to celebrate that he hit 257 in the month of May? Like, it just, it's not good enough. And I really think that just throwing him out there every single game, you know, switching him, you know, like taking him out from first base, putting him DH, moving his spot in the lineup all, you know, all the time. It's just, I think that's hurting him more than anything. And we've seen it before, you know, Jaron Duran got sent down, came back up and he was, you know, a million times better. We've seen it across the league. The example I always use is Jared Kalenic with the Mariners, you know, their top prospect came up, really struggled, got sent down for the rest of the year, came back the following year this season and looks like a legit guy. Now it's just, the team is in last place. You're slipping further and further out of the wild card. Like, at what point do you just sort of say it's in our best interest and his best interest to send him back down to Worcester, let him clear his head, let him kind of reset, you know, get his fundamentals down again, and then we'll see. Maybe call him up again in September, or maybe just say we'll see you in 2024. You know, you, you need to really get right down there before – we can give you the starting first base job up here in Boston because it's too important of a position and you've sacrificed that position for years because you're waiting for him. You know, the Red Sox didn't want to go out and pursue Anthony Rizzo because Tristan Casas was coming. So they said, Oh, well, you know, we're not going to get, we're not going to go after Rizzo because Casas is on the way. You didn't go after a guy like Freddie Freeman because, well, he's going to block Tristan Casas. Well, now Casas is here and, He's giving you nothing. So <laughs> was that all really worth it? Casas is blocking us from wins is what's happening now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but one last thing on him. Um, would a tougher manager be better? Would would, would Tristan Casas have better results all the way around if he had a tougher manager? The guy I always go to is Buck Showalter, but – um, I just feel like Alex Cora, his leadership is a little bit too lovey dovey. And I don't think the accountability is as strong as it should be. And yeah. And Bobby Valentine was a clown, but remember when he had that controversy, I, I forget what happened. Middlebrooks had a bad defensive inning and, you know, finally they get the third out. The players start filing into the dugout and, and Bobby Valentine goes, Nice inning, Will. And it was this big thing on WEI. Like, they were just, like, uh, Ordway and Michael Hawley were still there, and they were just hammering him and Dennis and Callahan. Looking back on it, I'm like, you know, there's just a few aspects of, of Bobby Valentine I, I really, you know, think are, you know, were actually somewhat healthy. It was just the rest of the clown show that went with it that, you know, made him you know one of the worst managers ever but i i think casas needs a tougher manager 
or at the very least, he needs Alex Cora to be at Alex Cora's best. Because when when Cora is like at the top of his game, he does get the most out of players. That's his best attribute as a manager is that he gets through to players. He is a bit of a you know he is a players manager in the same way that like Francona was, but you know at his best, he he can take a guy who's struggling and kind of you know light a fire under his ass and get him going. I just think Cora's really dropped off the last couple of years. And I think especially this year, he's not getting the most out of his players. It doesn't seem like that to me. So, you know, would a different manager help? I don't know. Cause like, if you bring in a guy like Buck Showalter, Showalter would bench Casas every other game. I mean, go, go ask Met fans how they feel about his handling of like Brett Beatty and, you know, some of their young players over there. He's, he, he will just bench you every other game until, you know, you go like four for four. And then it's like a daily thing with him. So I'm not sure if that would help either, but something's got to be done, whether it's a move down to Worcester or I don't know, he maybe just needs, you know, someone to get in his face in the clubhouse and just kind of, you know, get him to snap out of it. I don't know what it is, but something's got to happen. One other example, it perhaps isn't the best, but I, I think it's a little bit notable. Look at Gary Sanchez's career. Once Joe Girardi wasn't there, you know, Girardi tough guy to play for and you better give it your all. And then he leaves Boone's a bit softer and Sanchez, you know, wasn't super great, you know, offensively. And he was never great defensively anyway, but I, I don't know. I just, that'll be, if we do have a new manager next year, that'll be one of the things I'm looking for, you know, is Casas going to be different? You know, is his mindset going to be different? Is his focus going to be different? So we'll see. Tough series for him though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Another tough series for him. And um, he certainly wasn't alone um, coming in. Number two on the bottom five, Cotter Crawford. Um, and, this is a guy who I've never been sold on. I've never been sold on Cotter Crawford as part of the future of the Red Sox rotation. Um, I know he's young, he's 26, and he's looked good at times, but he's really he's looked good out of the bullpen. His numbers as a starter are bad, and, and they only got worse this series. Um, he pitched in Tuesday night's game, only made four innings, four runs given up three walks. Um, he was getting hit pretty hard by not a great lineup. And, you know, again, only made it four innings had to be pulled after that. So I just, I think his stuff is okay, but I just think it would play better out of the bullpen. I mean, he's got a good fastball, but he can only fool you with that so many times. I think, you know, second, third time through a lineup, they're just going to sit dead red and, you know, crush it. Um, he's got a pretty decent cutter, but he tries to paint with it too much. Um, there wasn't a bat. I, I forget who the hitter was, but it was one of the bats that ended in a walk because he threw the guy, I think it was four straight cutters in the exact same spot trying to get him to chase. It was like up and away. And I think the hitter fouled off the first one, let the second one go, maybe slightly offered at the third, checked his swing, and then you know, the fourth one, he just let it go because he knew what was coming and it was ball four and, you know, he drew the walk. So 
I just don't think Crawford has that shutdown sort of mentality of like, you know, I'm going to go out here and have a shutdown inning and, you know, get my offense back on the field. I think out of the bullpen, he can sort of surprise you with, with the fastball. He's got good velocity there. Um, and his mix of pitches works a little bit better that way, but I just don't see him as a viable starter long-term. I, I don't group him in with Hauk, Whitlock, Bayo as like, this is the future of the Red Sox rotation. I, I don't think so. I think he's more destined to kind of end up where Josh Winkowski has ended up as a sixth, seventh inning guy out of the pen, one, maybe two innings at the most. Um, I really think that's where his potential is. And again, he, he has the benefit of Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber just puking all over their cleats every time they take the mound. So he gets to take their rotation spots. But um, I think on any other contending team, he would not be in the rotation. He'd be a bullpen guy. So rough start for him. You got to wonder, you know, how many more he'll actually have, and you know, unless they, they make a move or what have you. But um, I don't feel all that confident whenever Cutter Crawford's on the mound. Uh, just, just, I don't know. I'm not a believer. Micah, what do you think? I'm definitely intrigued by Crawford in the rotation. Um, I, I do think his stuff plays. Um, the walks to me are the biggest thing. And I know when he had that, that tough relief outing, I think he walked two guys. Um, it, it, he doesn't have this, he doesn't have good enough stuff to add walks to the equation. I think if he just gives up hits, he probably can work around the hits. But when you start adding walks, I think that's when it gets a little hairy. Um, but I am intrigued by him. I, I don't think Crawford, I, I think he's a number five starter. Maybe he works his way to a number four. Like I think that is his ceiling, but I think you have to weigh, is he better as a number five, maybe working into a number four, or is he better coming out of the bullpen where I think he can really add a lot of value because he could be a kind of a multiple inning reliever, kind of like Winkowski, like you said, um, it's which which do you like? Do you like a guy who can come in two innings and you feel pretty confident, or a guy who, you know, is a number five starter and he might have some good starts and he might have some bad starts? Which one do you which do you like? Um, for this current roster, I would much rather see Crawford starting a game than Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber. I, I much prefer him. I think he gives the Red Sox a better chance to win. Um, so for right now, I think this is a really good opportunity for the Red Sox to, to see what he can do as a starter. Um, I think he probably does get a, a handful more starts um, unless it really goes bad. Um, and he threw really well uh, um, against Cleveland. Now I know that's kind of a, a bottom five offense, but it was really the defense that really screwed him in that one inning. Um, so I, I think he has the ability to, to shut down an offense. I mean, when he came in, in Bayo's first start against the Angels, he came in after that rain delay, and I think he threw seven innings out of the bullpen, and he shut the Angels down, um, which the Angels have a pretty good offense. So I, I do think Crawford, the potential's there. I just don't know if the consistency is going to be there, at least now, um, but maybe he never um, becomes a consistent you know, starter. And typically, number five starters – they're not the most consistent um, pitchers in the rotation. So um, I, for me, it's where where is the best spot for him to really maximize his his value to the team. And I'm not sure if I 
have that answer at the moment. I need to see more. Terry. On one hand, I, um, I agree with Micah. I would want him over Pavetta and Kluber as well. Um, but on the other hand, similar to Casas, he's just a victim of the poor construction of, of this Red Sox roster. They're, they're asking him to do things that he's not really capable of doing. I don't, I don't think he is a, a viable starter every fifth day on on a good roster. If he's a team that would love to have Cutter Crawford and, and it would bite us big time would be Tampa Bay. He would be a stud out of their bullpen. He would be a stud out of the Houston Astros bullpen. But this organization just doesn't understand pitching fundamentally. And so they're having to use him as a starter out of necessity. And he did, he was drafted by the Red Sox in, in 2017. So I can't sit here and say he was a scrap heap guy. I mean, he was a 16th round pick, you know, pretty deep down. Um, but, He's 27 years old. I think if he really had a future and really had the potential, he would have shown it by now. He, he would have shown it at age 23, age 24. Here, here's another thing. Bayo was brought into the Red Sox organization the same exact year. He, he was an international signing in 2017. Crawford was drafted uh, that year. And, and Bayo's three years younger. And just look at the difference. We knew Bayo was going to be, uh, you know, probably a borderline top of the rotation pitcher uh, as recently as two or three years ago. Like he had that potential and he's showing it. He just showed it, you know, in the Yankees series. And uh, he's going to uh, make a start against them this weekend. But Cutter Crawford is just, man. It, it just, there's no depth. I mean, you got Paxton for as long as he's healthy, and you got Whitlock for as long as he's healthy. What do you have beyond them? Other, of course, other than Bayo. But it's just, I mean, you just, in the fourth year of, of Heim Bloom's tenure, you would have thought you would have been better off than you are right now. And it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with you about the potential. I mean, at this point in his career, at that age, I think he, you know, very little chance that he's going to make a huge step forward and uh, sort of become like a number two or number three starter. So um, we'll see what the Red Sox decide to do with him going forward. But we're going to round out the bottom five here, coming in at number one on the list. Terry, who do we got? That is going to be Kike Hernandez, who had a pretty bad defensive blip uh, earlier in the series. Um, the dude just can't throw the ball. He can't throw the ball. And the, 
part of the problem is is he he has to throw it to a guy who can't catch the ball so that doesn't help either you know you got kike and casas and uh, i wanted to talk about that earlier but i i knew we were going to be talking about casas um so i I didn't want to get too too much into it but man i mean this is this is one of the worst defensive infields in I can ever recall (laughs) and go back to a few weeks ago when you still had Valdez playing second. So you got Casas playing first, can't scoop the ball. You got Valdez who (laughs) can't do hardly anything at second. Then you got Kike and you got Devers and Devers has improved a lot over the last few years offensively. But if he has to quickly, you know, fire the ball to first. I mean, I'm not supremely confident. You know, that little voice in the back of my head says, you know, it might go in the seats, but um, Kike just, I couldn't have imagined he would be this bad at shortstop. And, and finally um, on Tuesday, it was announced that he was going to play a lot less shortstop and, and play center field. And he had a great play tonight. He had a Superman diving catch uh, that was basically a blooper almost into no man's land. And he came up with a catch. It was a good play. He had another good play. It might have been in the Yankees series um, out by the bullpen wall. And he's a borderline elite defensive outfielder. But the problem is, is... You really want to get Duran in there, like we said. You're still going to get Duvall in there at times. And so it's just another it's just another roster malfunction. You we can't utilize these guys the best way that you know they're meant to be utilized. You just can't it's just a I want to I want to swear right now, cluster and then you know the word that goes after it. Um, it's just, it's so brutal right now. And I can't wait for the, the Kike Hernandez era to end. I really can't, you know, he's kind of one of the faces of the bloom era and he's just one guy I'm not going to miss. And Nick was on a recent show and, um, there was talk of, I, I forget which, if it was Hot Take Tuesday or Totally Legit or Calling the Cops, but we raised the question, could Kike get traded? And Nick made the a really good point that I had never considered. Like, Kike was your recruiter last winter. That's how you get Kenley. That's how you get Justin Turner. And, uh, you know, this is where one of our former hosts, Andrew, would say, you know, do you want to destroy your clubhouse by making that move by trading Kike? So I don't know, but he's one guy I'm not going to miss. And, you know, the whole lavender poppy thing earlier in the year was when he wasn't hitting, he got off to a brutal start. Um, so is what it is. He's loved by so many people, but I, I just can't wait to have a, a different chemistry on this team. And um, he had a bad defensive series. A uh, couple of, I think he got the, the I forget which inning that was, the seventh inning tonight where they put up five runs. 
he got the first hit to kind of get that rolling. So, um, but man, just, uh, I don't really know what to do with him. <laughs> how, how is he going to get at bats is what I'm wondering at this point, if he's not going to be a shortstop. Micah. Terry, I think you nailed it there because Kike is a really good defender. And if you look at how he was used with the Dodgers, like they put him all over the place and you don't play for the Dodgers at multiple positions. If you can't field them really well, that's not how the Dodgers operate. Um, and I think his, his best value to this team is as a super utility player. I think he's really good when he's in the outfield for a couple of games, he can come into shortstop and he can be just fine when he has to play shortstop every day. And he has to make, um, the, the throw consistently in the hole, that's where he gets exposed. He can do it when he doesn't have to think about it. And when he, when he just reacts, he's really good. But when he starts to think that's a, he's like, Oh boy, I don't want to, I got to aim this ball. When you start doing that, you're, you're guaranteed to throw it away. Um, he, he boots the, the routine play way more than the, the more challenging play, um, which is interesting. Um, but I think it's just the way this roster is constructed. It doesn't, it doesn't fit Kike Hernandez. Um, I, I think the best spot for him is really second base on this roster right now. Um, I, I'm Arroyo. I, I, I've been waiting for the bat to wake up and I know he had a good day on Monday, but then he followed it up with an 0 for four and an 0 for three. He just, he's not giving competitive at bats. I don't really like Arroyo defensively at second. Um, I, I think Ike could could find a, a bunch of a bunch of innings at second base. Um, he came in at, in I believe the ninth inning today. He turned a really nice double play. He's capable of doing it. I just don't like him at shortstop, and it's kind of ironic because Cora said, you know, when when we make certain changes at the end of the game, guess who's going to be going back into shortstop? It's Kike Hernandez, which is the guy you don't want at shortstop, but you're going to be putting them putting him in in late game opportunities. That just doesn't make much sense to me, but that's kind of where the Red Sox roster is right now. Um, and then last thing, as for your question for Kike being traded, I absolutely think some team will try to, to pick him up. And I personally think it could be the Dodgers. I could totally see the Dodgers trying to do an, uh, to do a reunion with Kike just because we saw what he did in the 2021 uh, postseason. He was the hottest hitter on the Red Sox. He's capable. He likes the big moment. Um, and the versatility that he provides. I mean, he can play a lot of positions really well. We just kind of have a bad taste in our mouth because we saw what he does, what how poorly he's been at shortstop. And it's kind of skewed, I think, our, our views of, of Kike as a defender. This is going to sound cruel, but it's true. Kike has to hope that Christian Arroyo either gets hurt or just his batting average just plummets and he just goes on like a, you know, 0 for 16 and, and just completely loses it at the plate. Cause I think you're right. I think second base is where is the only place where he's going to get at bats. Um, Cause otherwise the outfield is too crowded. You can't put him at shortstop anymore. There's nowhere else for him to go. Um, and I, I think that he might be your best option long-term, especially with story coming back at some point and, He's going to play shortstop. Um, we know that, you know, it's not going to be Pablo Reyes because Cora basically, you know, said 
uh, what was it yesterday or today that basically said that Pablo Reyes sucks at the plate. Um, he didn't say it in that, that those words, but he essentially said that. Um, and I, I don't think Arroyo is going to hold up. I, I don't trust the bat to stay consistent. I think defensively he's fine, but I don't think Arroyo's bat is going to stay there. So Kike will probably end up at second base for the most part, but his bat's got to get going too. Um, you know, he's not hitting much better than anyone else in that lineup. So, you know, he, he usually has a lot of pop in his bat. We haven't quite seen that. He did have the home run in New York, but, or, you know, he, it's, it's still there, but it's just not there consistently. Um, striking out a lot in, in key spots. He's just been a mess all over the place. So his bat's got to wake up. Um, I assume that, you know, second base will be where he is in the future. As far as will he get traded or could he be traded? Absolutely, because he is a good playoff hitter. Um, he's he's the opposite of Mookie Betts. He actually performs well in the postseason. So, yeah, a team like the Dodgers could absolutely scoop him up. Um, there's a lot of teams that could use a guy like that, not just you know for his postseason batting, but he is a good clubhouse guy. And so that is something you'd have to weigh in terms of if you're going to trade Kike Hernandez – he is very well liked in that clubhouse and in that locker room. And, you know, we've seen it last year's deadline, you know, Christian Vasquez gets traded and it pissed off a lot of the veterans, you know, it pissed off Xander Bogarts. It was, you know, I think it was one thing that really soured Bogarts on the, on the Boston experience was when Vasquez got traded. So you've got to be careful when you trade away clubhouse leaders like that, because even if the team's out of it, it can get so much uglier and so much worse if they're all just, you know, in a bad mood and not trusting of the organization and, um, you know, just pissed off that one of their good buddies and, and one of the leaders gets traded away just because he performed poorly. So um, that is something that the Red Sox will have to weigh if they do ever want to consider trading him at the deadline. But yeah, he just, he's really dropped off this year, um, both offensively and defensively. And I just, I know we'll still see him. I know that Cora, you know, Cora's his guy. He's going to get him in that lineup one way or the other. But, man, it's <laughs> he's just been kind of a zero for you. And hopefully second base, he's he's able to, you know, perform well there and, and he's you know, doesn't have the ips like he does at shortstop. But I don't know. It's, it's tough to really trust him anywhere right now except for center field. Um, so, and there's just no room for him out there, unfortunately. So... I think Kike will be your second baseman for the second half, but I'm not sure it's going to get much better offensively or defensively for him. If we're, if we go into full sell mode, he'll absolutely be traded. But when I was kind of raising the question, I was like, you could arguably say, I mean, you've got enough depth, especially if Trevor story is going to be in the middle infield in the month of August. Um, so, so you could he would have been an expendable trade piece, really, but um, you know if they're if they're in full sell mode, then you know there's going to be a lot of guys that that get talked about for that. But um, you know maybe that's something we can discuss on the roundtable episode, actually. But um, but yeah, I just I just want the Kike era to be over. I, <laughs> in the high bloom era. I'm just, I'm so sick of not being able to finish fourth place 75% of the time. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I think we're all kind of fed up with that that whole trend as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with them, but they can't keep losing series like this against bad teams because then they will go in the cellar and then they will um, they will just blow it up at the deadline. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that yet. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're going to wrap on that. Um, we will be back with you guys for our roundtable episode this weekend. So keep your eyes out for that. And then the weekend crew will have you guys on Monday morning. They will recap the Yankees series. So until then, everyone, take care.